Science Friday is supported by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Gift-giving season is approaching. We'll help you find the perfect gift for the science-loving kids in your life. I think some of the best books are the ones that get kids thinking, get them curious. It's Tuesday, November 21st, and today, like every day, is Science Friday. I'm sci-fi producer Shoshana Buxbaum. Thanksgiving is just a couple of days away, and you know what that means. We're now in the holiday season. I usually wait until the very last second to try and find the perfect gift for the little ones in my life. And if you're like me, you're always looking for a fun way to get kids excited about science. Guest host Flora Lickman is here to give you a bit of a head start with your holiday shopping. A slew of great new science books for kids and young adults came out this year. And today we have got two expert bookworms on the line to give you recommendations. Manaz Dar is the Young Readers Editor at Kirkus Reviews, based in New York. And Jennifer Swanson is an educator, children's book author, and co-host of the Solve It for Kids podcast. She's based in Jacksonville, Florida. Welcome, both of you, to Science Friday. Thanks for having me, Flora. Great to be here. A quick note, this conversation was recorded in front of a live Zoom audience. For more information about how to join a future live stream, head to sciencefriday.com slash live stream. Okay, Manaz, let's start with you. You must read hundreds of children's books every year for your job. I'm wondering, like, is the form changing? Are science books for kids different these days than they used to be? Yeah, they've come a long way. I was just thinking about how they were when I was growing up. You know, when I was in elementary and middle school, librarians would book talk me like cool fiction, but no one was ever like, oh my God, and here's this really cool book on octopuses that you have to read. Those books were kind of like very dry, photo heavy, and they would give them to you if you were doing a project and they were kind of these dry recitations a fact and what i've noticed in the last few years is just how vibrant uh, nonfiction is it can be kind of a hybrid thing you see some books that are blending fiction stories with facts just to make it more fun you see books that are really illustrated just books that take a really creative view of the topic and that are just really fun and engaging to read in ways that um, i don't think nonfiction always was in the past jennifer As an author and consumer, what science subject matter do you think works best for kids besides poop? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, let's see. There's so many. Space is hot right now. Everybody's excited about space. There's always the ocean. And then animals, dinosaurs. Everybody wants to know about dinosaurs and all of these different animals and creatures. So I think some of the best books are the ones that get kids thinking, get them curious, and also show them 
um, how they can interact. Some of these books these days are interactive, which is even better because science is best in action, in my opinion. Do you have a favorite subject to write about? I do. Of late, uh, my new book is Space Care, A Kid's Guide to Surviving Space. It's all the cool and a little strange things that happen to the body as we live in microgravity. But probably if you want an example of exactly what I love to write about, it's my book, Astronaut Aquanaut, how space science and sea science interact. And this one talks about space and the ocean. And if you want to know about me, this is what I write about. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get to some recommendations. Manaz, give me your like top two or three favorite science-y STEM books for kids from this year. Sure. My first one is called Search for a Giant Squid by Amy Sito Forrester, illustrated by Andy Chow Mooser. And this is a um, kind of choose-your-own-adventure, heavily illustrated book aimed at um, ages about six to nine. The premise is you're part of a dive team. You're going to go look for a giant squid in a submersible. There's all this info about ocean zones, the different equipment you're going to you're going to take. And then you just get to choose like, OK, do you want to choose this captain? Where are you going to go? What's going to happen? Sometimes it ends up with you finding the squid, sometimes not. So it's got that really fun interactive element. And what I also love is that all of the characters, all of the, you know, the people are all of color. They're all different, you know, body shapes. And I feel like that's really important because often, you know, we've seen science and STEM where it's all like white male scientists, which, you know, we know that's not how it is or how it should be. So this is really refreshing and a wonderful thing. My second is called Friends Beyond Measure by Lolina Fisher. This is a picture book about ages five to nine. And this one really puts the M in STEM. Um, there's a little bit of math here. So it's an infographic book about two characters who are friends. One of them learns that she's going to be moving soon. And the whole thing is kind of told through graphs and charts, you know, bar charts, pie charts. My favorite is... um. One of the characters is slumped over a bar chart that illustrates her many complicated emotions. You know, the highest bar is shock, then there's sadness. And I just think it's a really fun way to introduce math, mathematical concepts, things like Venn diagrams. And, you know, for some kids who think of math as kind of scary and anxiety provoking, it shows them that, you know, you can also have some creativity and a little bit of fun. It's not just about getting the right answer. And my last one is called The Fire of Stars, The Life and Brilliance of the Woman Who Discovered What Stars Are Made Of by Kirsten W. Larson, illustrated by Catherine Roy. And I have the cover for this one. It's really gorgeous. Um, This is a picture of a biography of Cecilia Payne, an astrophysicist born in 1900, who discovered what stars are made of. I think it's really amazing because it's kind of a dual biography. It tells us about Cecilia Payne's life, but also on the same page, we'll see how a star is born and how it, you know, progresses. It's so lyrical. It's beautiful. The illustrations are just soaring. And I think it's also another example of, you know, we were, we've seen how STEM has gotten more diverse, but here's an example of even in the 1900s, a woman scientist making great strides. So I think that's just, you know, one of my favorites from this year. This is Science Friday from WNYC Studios. Jennifer, what about you? Top three? 
top three books? So I have to agree with Search for Giant Squid. That was on one of my top three. (laughs) I thought that was just a truly amazing book. So my top three, my first one is The Museum on the Moon, The Curious Objects on the Lunar Surface by Irene Latham, illustrated by Miriam Wears. So as I said before, space is hot. Everybody's excited about space. And this is such a unique take on it. It's all about the things that get left behind on space um, by the humans that visited there in the past and whether or not this should be a museum. And it's also poetic. So you get a combined uh, combination of STEM with the poetry. So it's very accessible and fun. And the illustrations are just gorgeous. My second one is actually big money. What is it? How we use it? And why do our choices matter by Rebecca Donnelly? And I think this one is so fun. I wish I had this when my kids were little. (laughs) I feel like I need this now. Just I need it now too. Let me have that book. It's so easy to understand. And there are steps in here, but it also gives you real life experiences to talk about. Like if you only have X amount of money, how do you choose what you're going to buy and all these different things? So this is this is a must read, I think, for many people, those of us who struggle with budgets, perhaps. <laughs> um, and my last one is A Vaccine is Like a Memory by Rajani Laraka, illustrated by Kathleen Marcote. I hope I said that properly. This book is just so cool. I mean, vaccines are all the things that we're all talking about. And this one goes through the history of vaccines, but then it also goes through how they work in your body. It actually works because when you get a vaccine, your body remembers how it fought it off. But uh, in talking to the author, she also said the important part about this is that we remember what vaccines have done for us in history. So this is a really, really cool book. You can see there are gorgeous illustrations inside. Um, and there's lots of text, but it's it's broken up easily. So you can go through it with, with smaller children. Um, and it's just tons of fun. So I would recommend those three. But I think Manaz and I were talking before, <laughs> there's so many of them out there this year. So yay for STEM books. At Radiolab, we love nothing more than nerding out about science, neuroscience, chemistry. But but we do also like to get into other kinds of stories. Stories about policing or politics, country music, hockey, sex of bugs. (laughs) Regardless of whether we're looking at science or not science, we bring a rigorous curiosity to get you the answers. And hopefully make you see the world anew. Radiolab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go to our listeners. Deborah from Philadelphia has a question about science starter books. Deborah, welcome to Science Friday. Hi, I was wondering if both of you could recommend a quote starter book for 10 to 12 year olds who maybe aren't that aware of conservation, the natural environment. And I'm wondering if you could recommend any of those books that are at easy reading level comprehension, medium comprehension, and maybe for advanced. There are a number of uh, 10 to 12 year olds in our family. And I was thinking, even though I participate in a lot of conservation and environmental activities, I can't quite seem to get them jazzed up about it just yet. And I thought maybe there's a a book or two out there that would be the voice, the outside voice that they might want to listen to and engage with. 
Thanks. Manaz, Jennifer, any books come to mind? Well, you asked for three levels. I could start us off with some easy books. So I know you said um, ages 10, but I do have a couple of picture books that I think could be good because sometimes picture books are just a good way for like, especially the whole family to kind of get into a topic. One of my favorites from this year is called The Great Carrier Reef by Jessica Streamer. And it's about a conservation project um, that was done, like creating kind of an artificial like um, barrier reef. And I love that it it's a beautiful text. It's beautiful illustrations. I feel like it really balances that feeling of hope with the obvious feelings of despair that we all have, because it's easy to get, I think, really sad about it. But it's an example of good that is being done. So it is one of my my favorites from this year. And another picture book that I love is called Little Land by um, Diana Sudika. It's just kind of a general sort of call to action, sort of a an idea of, you know, why we should respect and love our earth and things we can do to kind of to safeguard it. Jennifer, any to add? Well, this one's a little bit older, but what comes to mind for me is One Plastic Bag by Miranda Paul. Oh, that's a good um, and one. That, yeah. And that kind of tells the story of how just beginning picking up plastic bags um, in the country, I believe it was Gambia, kind of changed how the how they looked at conservation. And so it's just one small step and it turned into this huge thing. So that's always a really good place to start with kids, in my opinion, um, with conservation to include them and then kind of make it a family thing. Manaz, I want to come back to this idea that you mentioned earlier about representation in these books. Do you feel like we're moving away, please, from the old man with unruly white hair <laughs> is scientist trope? I think that trope has, you know, long been a an aggravating one, you know, and I, I think we still see these attitudes. We still see sexism and racism in the wider world. But I feel like kidlit authors have done a really great job of combating that and you know I've seen so many more books that are profiling scientists of color one of my favorites from this year is about a black botanist called rooting for plants and then also I think just seeing authors of color writing books even if it's not necessarily about someone of color I think that's important too that you don't necessarily have to be writing about oppression all the time. I think it's important for kids to see, even if they're just looking at the back of the book and seeing the author photo, just to see people who look like them who are writing about lions and tigers and bugs and, and all those good things. We have a question from our audience, Tom from Lewiston, Idaho. Uh, welcome to Science Friday. Hi there. I'm an assistant professor of literacy and teacher education. And one of our big initiatives in our coursework is to increase representation in the materials we use for instruction. And I have a pretty good handle on fiction, but I was wondering what resources you would recommend for increasing and centering perspectives outside of the cultural mainstream in STEM spaces. Thank you. So I, I know that there is a group called We Need Diverse Books. And they have a huge amount of books from diverse authors. I run a blog called Steam Team Books, where we have a list of a lot of the current books that year um, that are coming out about all of the different topics. But also, if I could recommend one of my other ones this year, has everyone seen this one to boldly go 
right? How Nichelle Nichols and Star Trek helped advance civil rights by Angela Dalton. This one is amazing. And this is a great way to enter into it. So if people are like, oh, it's a nonfiction book. Okay. If you are a Star Trek fan, this, you know, it's important to, to know this, how she was a civilian, so to speak, not a scientist, but helped bring women into the science program. And I think, you know, trade reviews from places like um, Kirkus, where I work, Publishers Weekly, School Library Journal, a lot of these reviews now are making a concerted effort to identify, you know, race and ethnicity of um, the characters and of the subject. I think that's really, really helpful. And I think we are just seeing a lot more STEM books. And I think we're going to continue to see one. Um, another one that comes to mind for me is called Mother of Sharks. Do you remember that one, Jennifer? Yes, yes. It's a really great one about a little girl who's like, oh, I want to be a marine biologist, but I don't know. I've never seen someone who looks like me. And then she ends up seeing, getting a vision and seeing herself as an adult marine biologist and becoming inspired. So I think we're seeing more books and I think we're going to see even more as the years go by, which is really heartening. Right. As we should. Right. This definitely. You can actually hear an interview with the author of Mother of Sharks on Science Friday. Um, if you check out our archive. Tons of questions from our listeners and from Charleston, South Carolina. Welcome to Science Friday. Thank you so much. So uh, my child really loves graphic novels. He loves the Wimpy Kid books, Big Nate. Uh, so I'm wondering if you all have any STEM recommendations for graphic novels and that same general reading level. Oh, I have one that I didn't mention, but I, I had planned it. I think it's the perfect one. Can I go ahead? Yes, please. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it is called Oliver's Great Big Universe by Jorge Chom. I've heard a lot of people comparing it to Diary of a Wimpy Kid because the premise is it's about this kid who's writing his own book about the universe, astrophysics, but the premise is that he's like kind of an average kid who doesn't know that much about it, but he's really interested in it. And it's got, you know, some real science. The author has a PhD, but it's got things like fart jokes, bathroom humor, you know, sibling banter. <laughs> you know, it really is like a Greg Heffley we're saying, you know what, I'm going to write about astrophysics. So I think that that would be the perfect read like if your kid loves Diary of a Wimpy Kid but wants to know about science. And it's just really, really accessible. Yeah. I would also recommend the Science Comics by First Second. They have a mm, whole list so of good. them out there. Um, and there's many different topics, kind of too many to go into, but it's a it's a great look at science from a from a different angle right? Graphic novels are awesome. I wish that we'd had more of that when I was little. Like I didn't have graphic novels, period. I wish I'd had STEM graphic novels. I, I agree. I agree. Yes. <laughs> Me too. Thank you, Anne, for the question. I have a question for both of you. Did you, do you have books as kids, science books as kids that influenced you? Now, I am probably older than most of you. And the books that that I found, I found this actually when I was in Maine in like an old bookstore, but I started a science club in my garage. And this was the book that I used to influence me. Science in Your Own Backyard by Elizabeth K. Cooper. Okay. So those of you that can see this are like, wow, that is an old book. <laughs> right. This is what science books looked like back then. Now there were other ones, but if you really wanted to do experiments, this is what we had. So I think we've been talking about, Manaz, how we've come a long way, haven't we? We've come a long way, baby. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Manas? So I don't have like one formative book, but I love, they were a lot of like volumes of weird, but true, you know, like 101 bizarre things. I feel like that was kind of an entry point for me. I don't have like specific titles, but I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is such a weird story. Is this true or not? That was kind of a little bit of an entry point for me. Like, oh, okay, here's this random story about someone discovering like a frog and a sealed <laughs> plank of wood. Did that really happen? I feel like those books didn't always have the best back matter because I was sometimes left with questions about, okay, I want to know a little bit more. And that's something that I love about our books now that we have this great back matter. We have the further reading, the bibliography. But, you know. but that also not having back matter encourages kids to be curious on their own. And to go and explore. That's true. To be active scientists. There you go. Exactly. Let's go to Emily. Emily's wondering about science nonfiction for early readers. Emily, welcome to Science Friday. Thank you for having me. As I shared, I have a backtown first grader and a lot of the early readers that we found that he can read independently are the best friend buddy trope, you know, with which he also loves, like pizza and taco, narwhal and jelly. But I'm really looking for some good nonfiction early readers for him and wondered if you had recommendations. So I actually have a couple of, and these are probably a little bit younger, but um, some of these board books are getting longer with, with language and stuff. So this is Odd Birds, Meet Nature's Weirdest Flocks by Laura Gale. This is fun. And then I love this one, How to Catch a Dinosaur. Have you guys seen this one? This is so cool. This is by Adam Wallace and Andy Elkerton. And so this one has a little bit more reading and also vivid images about how they're trying to catch a dinosaur, but they're actually going to learn all about the dinosaur. So I guess it kind of walks the line of nonfiction, but it's, it's a really fun one and probably something that maybe your first grader could read um, by himself. And I have a couple of recommendations. It's the Hands-On Science Books by Lola Schaefer. Not specifically early readers or build as early readers, but I think they could fit the bill. Um, they're very hands-on. They're kind of interactive. They invite you to like, you know, press here, turn this. And they have them on different topics. Like there's one coming up on, I think, physics and motion. I think there's one on geology. So you can find a lot of different um, topics, which I think is fun because kids are sometimes interested in different things. If you're just joining us, we're talking about science book recommendations for kids with Manaz Dar and Jennifer Swanson. This is Science Friday from WNYC Studios. This week on the New Yorker Radio Hour, the fewer on college campuses over the war in Gaza. Students have tried to have dialogue over and negotiate differences in how they see the world, even as they respond to tragedies and crimes overseas. Students and faculty from Harvard University on the New Yorker Radio Hour from WNYC Studios. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Let's say I have a kid in my life who is who just loves like computers or engineering. Do any books come to mind for them? I had one this year that I think could be really fun. It was called How to Explain Coding to a Grown-Up by Ruth Spiro. So it's just very, like, kind of hands-on, like, very user-friendly. Again, a book I need. 
Yeah, because when I was reading it, I was like, you know, I don't know that I ever took took a coding class as a kid. And um, and it uses like examples that are very kid friendly, like how to walk home from like a certain person's house, but using coding in that way. So I think that one would be a really fun um, beginner beginner one. The one that comes to mind for me is um, Grace Hopper, Queen of Computer Code. And so this one is, it's by uh, Lori Walmark, illustrated by Katie Wu. This one is a biography about Grace Hopper, but it kind of gets you an introduction into coding and how it got started and all of these different things. And then my other thing is, is, you know, National Geographic Kids, DK Books, they all have really fun, interactive type books for almost any topic out there. So I would I would say go and take a look at those. And they're so rousable. I feel like you can flip through it and just, you know, you don't have to read a cover to cover. It's just so accessible. Exactly. Before we wrap up, I want to give you a scenario. So imagine someone listening to the show goes to the bookstore. They have your recommendations in mind. They're not in stock because, like me, <laughs> you know, they waited too long. Um, but they, they really need to get a book. They have a science-loving kid. Do you have tips for sort of picking out great sciencey or STEM books for for kids? Like, what should they look for? I mean, I think the first thing, the question I want to know is, what does the kid like to read? If they like to read stories, then you're going to be looking more for a narrative, like maybe a biography or a scientist in the field kind of thing who goes through and does all of these different things. Or if they're a facts kid, you're going to want the browsable books, you know, like National Geographic, DK, um, some of the other books that I write, or there's a bunch of other, you know, there's a bunch of fact books out there. And then think about what they like to do. Like, if you don't know the topics they like, are they an active kid outdoorsy? Do they code? That's kind of what I would do. And then I would invite you, you know, spend, I know everyone's rushing around, spend some time pulling the books off the shelves and kind of looking through because sometimes the best ones are the ones no one has talked about yet, right? Use your brain. Is that what right? you're saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great um, suggestion. I think often with Reader's Advisory, it's helpful to think about like, you know, what's the last book that the kid liked? You may not know that, but if you know a book that they like, think about why they liked it as you said, Jennifer, maybe is it the story? Is it, you know, a topic, you know, they like interactive books. And like you said, I think looking at the books, paging through them, you know, getting a sense of, you know, if the last book that they liked was kind of more rousable with lots of images, you know, maybe that's more their speed if they like the story, looking for a narrative, like looking for maybe more of a, something that has that story. And then just not being afraid to ask yes. to, because I feel like your friendly bookstore employers, you know, see a lot and they might be able to give you some really good recommendations. Agree completely. Yep. Ask your librarians too. They'll yeah, know. librarians <laughs> know a lot. So yes. I feel like our experts in the field are they have a lot to offer. That's about all we have time for. Thanks to our Zoom audience for all your fabulous questions, and thank you to my guests, Manaz Dar, Young Readers Editor at Kirkus Reviews, and Jennifer Swanson, children's book author and co-host of the Solve It for Kids podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And if you weren't taking notes and want a list of the titles mentioned by our guests today, we have got you covered. Go to our website, sciencefriday.com slash kidsbooks to find all the books mentioned in today's conversation. Plus a few extra we didn't get to. That's sciencefriday.com slash kidsbooks. And that's it for today. Lots of folks help put the show together, including Jordan Smudgick. 
Charles Bergquist, George Harper, John Dankosky. Join us tomorrow to unravel the science of sweaters. I'm sci-fi producer Shoshana Buxbaum. See you next time. Since WNYC's first broadcast in 1924, we've been dedicated to creating the kind of content we know the world needs. In addition to this award-winning reporting, your sponsorship also supports inspiring storytelling and extraordinary music that is free and accessible to all. To get in touch and find out more, visit sponsorship.wnyc.org.